Hi, I'm Shiv. And I'm Chitra. We are the co-hosts of this show, Software People Stories. We are happy to bring you stories of people associated with software as makers or consumers. In every episode, we talk to people on their own personal and professional journeys, their interests and approach to work and life in a free-flowing conversational format. We hope that you will be able to draw your inspiration from their experiences and insights. These podcasts are made possible by PM Power Consulting, who have helped individuals, teams and organizations on their delivery excellence journeys. Our guest on the Software People Stories is Moses Raj, the CIO and Head of Delivery Excellence at Brilio. Join us as Moses narrates stories from his journey starting out in manufacturing to transformational IT initiatives, understanding what value means to achieve success in building products, dealing with variability in customer thinking processes, how he manages wearing two hats at work, and turning tables in the digital world. Listen on. Hello, Moses. Thank you for being our guest on the Software People Stories. It's a pleasure to have you on our show today and a very warm welcome to you. Great. Really looking forward to it. Thank you. So we begin by asking our guests uh, to introduce themselves for the sake of our listeners. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, uh, I'm Moses. I am the CIO of Brilio. And I also head the excellence uh, function at Brilio. So uh, in my uh, role here, I do a couple of things. Uh, one is uh, for the, uh, the systems and the infrastructure of Brilio, I run multiple programs to drive um, the overall maturity of the organization. Um, so that's one part. And uh, as part of the delivery excellence function, I... I have an oversight into pretty much every work that gets delivered to our customers and uh, many of the engagements uh, that we deliver to our customers, I am directly involved as well in some capacity. So that's uh, about my work. Now, what interests me? Uh, over the years, there are uh, many things, uh, things like um, um, one of that specific is I have started uh, looking at what uh, especially in this digital transformation world, what are the, some of the very few key things which really drive the overall transformation, right? Because there are many things um, that needs to be done. For example, basic management has to be there. Basic engineering has to be there. Um, but some are um, when, even if all those things come into picture, but if the overall thing doesn't deliver value, that is uh, a piece which really can derail the whole thing, right? Um, that's when the whole puzzle comes together. That's it's the value is the glue. So then the question becomes, what's value? So I've I've been uh, working quite a bit about how do we maximize this value. So that's one area of my interest. There are a few other areas. I love storytelling. I love abstracting things to figure out why things work the way the way it works. Uh, these are the areas about how I do stuff. So that's a bit about me. Prior to Brilio, I was. Uh, 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 prior to this current role, I was purely driving delivery excellence as a career person uh, before taking up the CIO role. That's a bit of background, what interests me and what I'm doing today. 
Thank you, Moses. That's a very interesting background. So since you're interested in storytelling, uh, how would you start by narrating the story of how you got to being where you are today? Where did it all start? Uh, very interesting. Uh, see, uh, somewhere my life started, uh, possibly once I started understanding what I'm studying. Uh, for a good part of my life, um, it was more, uh, study was just for the sake of studying, right? It's up somewhere around very later part of my uh, school career and uh, it's in the, co- in the college career is when I started really realizing that what you're studying at really corresponds to the world. Um, and once you correlate things, uh, you can really make sense of things much better, right? Maybe late, but at least I started there. Um, and I started my career in manufacturing. And uh, and that gave me a sense of a structure and an order of how things work like a clock. Because not, it's a 24 bar 7 work that happens. So uh, nothing stops, right? Everything keeps running. Um, and the whole system works. And that's primarily the reason uh, that I got into IT quality assurance. Um, almost uh, 10 and a half years, I worked in a company uh, driving multiple programs to bring consistency, right? Uh, of, so anything that is consistent can be improved. And this, that's the way I started my career there. I, I, rather, my IT career started that way. And then I came to Brillio and I'm doing this role here. So over a period has been um, a means of trying to put things put things as a jigsaw puzzle together, see what works, uh, reflective uh, reflecting on it, and then take take some of the learnings to the next uh, initiative you do. That's the story of how I have built. Some things have just fallen in place uh, by itself. Not that I really thought my career will come this way, um, but today I drive multiple uh, transformational initiatives at Brillio. Um, I my team del- develops a lot of products, which I pretty much look at. Uh, one of the key things is uh, entire solution is something where I put a lot of um, my head on, right, and drive the change. So, um, so to where I am today as a overall larger change agent, as a new solution developer, bring transformation in the company. I think all these things have played multiple parts. It has connected, connected, connected to be where I am today. That's possibly a good natural story of where I started versus where I am. So, yes, I can completely relate to that, uh, you know, trying to correlate what you're studying with what you perhaps might do or where you perhaps might land up working. Uh, that's an interesting thing. So thank you for that. So from your experience in the manufacturing industry, what are your learnings that perhaps helped you as you transitioned into the IT industry? See, um, I always used to think, um, so one of the things that I think is if you cannot define something, it's very difficult to do it, right? Um, some, are, some of those things, uh, the way you define things are extremely crystal clear out there in the manufacturing, right? Because it, it works like a clock. So, for example, um, what uh, did I learn there, right? If you, if you take any aspect of work, there will be a method to it in manufacturing. For example, uh, if one shift has to run, then there is another team which is working for that shift in that location to run uh, for every material to be available there. So nothing uh, for anything to run 24 by 7, there is a feeder system, uh, there is a planning system, and 
and all these things come you can uh, as you get through this journey right in the manufacturing you will get to see how all these things comes together and if anything gets choked uh, you will see a jitter and then you will see jumping people jumping in fixing it and bringing it back to a state of equilibrium so i think um, that's one big learning for me um, running a steady state what it means fundamentally if you define the, the re- reason i started with the word definition is uh, definition of quality in the manufacturing scenario is all about consistency and equilibrium right it's a consistent way of doing things and you keep running the consistent process again and again quality becomes a way of life there right so um so if i put then the definition as quality as consistency it it becomes easier to abstract that point take it to the today's world you world like digital transformation where there is a lot of moving parts but still there has to be a certain level of consistency else you can never improve the system as well right so uh, that's one of the key uh, learnings that i could abstract um from the manufacturing industry how the entire flow is so streamlined um how it is so consistent how it continuously keeps evolving and improving and improving from the time i started versus the time i finished things have changed quite a bit there right because it is so consistent you can really drive a measurable improvement um over a period right so that's uh, what possibly is one of the biggest learning um that i picked from there wow consistency in equilibrium i am actually wondering how we can bring that about in today's world when the rate of change of technology is increasing so rapidly what have you seen in you know your environments today and how do you feel that you can bring in or what what can people do to bring in consistency and equilibrium let's say in the way they work and also help to impact uh, business outcomes see um, yeah you're right um, now there are things that are changing right the the base on which we build our solutions uh from the world when i started into it industry it used to be cobol where a huge amount of lines used to be written very procedural to then came all this uh, um newer technologies and today uh technologies like angulars and all those technologies are uh, scripting languages are much much more faster right um but what necessarily this is one thing that uh seems like it has completely changed everything of course it is true right certain methods um for example those days we used to say um you should write a code review it and then only test it right because testing is much more costlier than review so do it systemically in today's world sometimes running a unit test is much faster than actually reading the code right there are things have uh, changed the methods needs to have changed but the point i think is the overall solution paradigm right uh what is the fundamental problem uh, because whether it was 100 years back or 1000 years back versus today we whatever solution we are doing is for a specific real world problems right now understanding the problem structuring the problem giving a solution to it testing the solution uh before even starting to develop and then developing in a very systemic way uh managing it uh constantly forecasting whether we are moving towards the right outcome these principle fundamental principles have not changed right so if you there are some parts of how the solution is what the solution is has changed but the underlying from the problem to the eventual solution and uh, making a difference that 
principles are that underlying uh, realities haven't changed. It may have become slightly complicated. Uh, we were solving much more known problems earlier. Now we are solving much more abstract problems today. But um, but necessarily, this uh, entire the the base layer of um, management or the base layer of solutionizing uh, versus realizing, right? Um, base layer of uh, doing some things with uh, level of excellence, right? All those uh, uh, basics haven't really gone through much of a uh, real, what, what do you say? It's not like it has changed completely, right? Um, those elements still hold good. I think that's where, as an IT industry, somewhere still our maturity to really structure it and um, make it much more repeatable is still a challenge, right? Uh, the more and more we do it, the more and more we're able to repeat the success. That's the way I see it. There are, it's definitely possible. It definitely required today. And that's what we are seeing very heavily in our organization as well. As we are scaling, we need much more structure, much more uh, standardization, much more controls, right? Which ensures that we scale to a larger extent. Yeah, I think I can see your point there because, you know, whatever you do, I think the foundations that you build on need to be really strong. And like you were saying, fundamental principles always stand you in good stead, whatever the situation might be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for example, right, what is innovation 10 years back, right? Or 50 years, 100 years back. Innovation was making things simple. And even today, innovation is making things sim simple, right? Now, um, those dimensions have not changed. Right, uh, there is a real world where things were complex uh, to do. Um, someone brought some a mixer or a grinder and made things simple. And today, the uh, we have moved on from all those things. Today, uh, still things have become dif difficult for us in a real world with so many multitasking, and things have to become much more simple. Right, so this concept of simplification continues. Right, the question is how much we can abstract out the common principles like this, and then somewhere make it systemic, um, and, but yet, yet allowing it to uh, bring transformational changes, I think is where the trick is, so that things can be much more um, scalable over a period of time. Very nice way of uh, tying these things up with respect to innovation and keeping things simple, especially in today's world where just the sheer number of apps on one's phone, which were designed to make things simpler, now appear to actually make things very complicated. Exactly. Actually, very interesting that you brought that app thing, right? Uh, sometime back, I was uh, doing a research on how many apps are there. I think Android had about um, slightly dated data, uh, about a million and a half apps. And uh, Apple Store had more than a million apps, right? So collectively, which means putting the number of lines of code, we have awful number of lines of code just in these two app stores on which solutions have been written. And interestingly, uh, only a single digit number is what those um, which stay in the phone more than a month or more than 90 days uh, since the person installs. If a person installs the software, do they really sustain for more than 90 days? And if it sustains more than 90 days, it's a success. And that's in a single digit number of all the apps that uh, people use, right? So it has become a very crowded space. So unless otherwise our solutions don't have the ability to see through upfront yes, it will really solve some real-world problem. Half the solutions that we develop will end up being, which will be lying on shelf. All the hard work will go to the drain. That's where I was talking about value. In this crowded space, the question then becomes, what is value and how do you really drive it, right, in a systemic way? 
That's a very nice way to segue into another question I have for you. As head of delivery excellence and customers at the forefront of your mind all the time, you talked about how best to deliver value. What are some of the lessons or insights that you can share with respect to these? See, the first thing is, the question then becomes, what is value, right? Um, we all use the word value um, multiple times, right? So it's not that it's... Um, it's a very difficult word. We, we understand this term value, right? But the problem is it's out for anyone's interpretation, right? Uh, I was asking in one of the discussions with, uh, I was talking, giving a talk, asking what's the value and who determines. Uh, obviously, everyone was correct in saying the customer determines value, right? Then the question becomes, when do they determine? Um, obviously, they can determine it only after they receive the product. But for a person who or a team like ours who is developing the product if the customer is going to determine after they really receive in the hand and start using and then only then they can determine whether there is real value or not it possibly is too late right so the, i think the entire industry entire agile methodology and all this thinking is primarily trying to advance the whole thing up front so that customer can realize the value but still we have a lag problem right then the question becomes what if can is there a way we can define this value where is this value built in? Is it, if it is, is it so subjective that some customer after receiving only can tell, or is there a way we can define it? Uh, one of the best definitions I have come across on this topic of value is uh, uh, actually I picked this from um, ITIL as a it's a very very much non-connected to an agile world. It's more for IT operations per se. They define the value in their methodology as removal of a real-world barrier. Now. It may sound very simplistic as a definition, but actually it's pretty profound. Uh, for example, if you look at any change that has come in the industry, right? Um, you go back to um, history, uh, find out um, what has always stood in the mind as some great change. You will always see that there was a real world problem and the solution that came exactly bang on uh, solved the real world problem, right? And we use those items day in and day out. For example, a simple mixer at home or a gas tower at home, right? There was a problem that, if, for example, if you have to start a stove in those days, right, uh, with firewood or pumps, stove or anything, to, before you can even start for getting the fire, it'll be a few minutes, right? Now, that was a barrier for people. The moment that gas stove came, it became instant. So the time barrier got broken. So one, it all needed one person to just taste that new gas towel and it just caught and it is a renaissance we saw in our country, right? Uh, I saw as a kid, my mother moving from a firewood towel to a pump towel to a gas towel. And I don't think we ever turned back from then, right? So I think that's the key, right? Now today, if I assume there is an electric towel coming, which is going to take five minutes to heat up, before you can place a vessel, obviously it's not going to succeed because it's a solved problem in the industry. You cannot go back. You cannot reintroduce that barrier again, right? So if you really th think through, you see at the start of uh, the any transformation that has happened, you will see that there was some real-world barrier that has been removed. So the whole key is for any solution that we are offering, any project that we are doing internally or for our customers, what is the real, real ground reality problem that is the barrier that this product is solving and the extent to which it is solving. If 
this one factor is ascertained upfront and we spend quite a bit of time in our initiation meetings debating what is that exact pain exact thing how does it manifest today how is this product going to solve if this one factor is established then pretty much everything is execution of this to this vision of removing this real world barrier and always you may hit miss here and there but you will never miss the overall uh, overall uh, objective right and everything else can be corrected but if you miss that original value develop something else which is even if the best in class it will still not be worth it so i, I have come to the one thinking that educating people on how do we define this for your context what is the real barrier real world barrier that we are exactly removing if you are clear about it more often than not our success rate should get be very higher that's in a natural uh, or in a summary um, a drive that i do pretty much in every reviews every of our products how we are moving towards this removal of value which is removal of barrier which is the uh, actually the starting of value uh, value injection into the product that's a very very interesting perspective and a wonderful way to present across how to solve problems for the real world thank you moses so in my next question what are some of the tough customer situations you've handled you know during your career and uh, what have been some of your significant takeaways from those experiences uh, okay when i say customer majority of my customers really are internal customers right so uh, because i have always been in the consulting side to consult projects now that i am doing products for brilio and my customers are internal right uh, my direct connect with uh, the external our uh, project teams customer is not that high um i'm a secondary recipient of many uh, information right but uh, one doesn't mean that i have no connect at all but I, so my i have my answers have been put in that context right okay um, that's why i'm sharing this uh, but however i've seen the the challenge our teams go through is dealing with the the variability in the customers uh, thinking process right uh, or the value system or whatever we can put it right um because we we keep starting multiple engagements and uh, the customer the, the problem statements may fairly have similarity but the way it works in each customer space becomes very different right uh, some of them may be extremely responsive some of them may expect us to do quite a lot before they respond back right so i think this way understanding this variability of um, how their real world is and aligning our methodologies and uh, our approaches to deal with their realities for example there is a customer who came to us and said hey i'll give you a very high level epic rest all is all your job of elaborating asking us writing stories everything right now it went through a, a and initially uh, i think we kind of assumed it's um, not assumed we knew that it is going to be a problem but the point is the extent to which we reacted to this problem wasn't really right that's a great lesson uh, when you are thrown with uh, some challenge like this or a, uh, because the customer has only staffed that much right we struggled hard and learned through this whole thing right so some of sometimes some of these uh, uh, things of understanding how the customer's organization is in reality their preparedness to do something along with us aligned to our methodology aligned to our thinking and then lead them is a very big challenge unless otherwise these things are upfront 
um, really thought through, debated. Many times the cost we pay to get it back, uh, build the confidence again and all that, it's very, very painful exercise. That's possibly one thing I can say uh, from my role as to how, which really hits us on a regular basis and how we, how we struggle and deal with this aspect. It's almost in some sense drawing upon what you earlier said. It's how best to maintain an equilibrium with the customer, you know, given the fact that you said that there's so much variability in their thinking. This is, this is interesting, Moses. Thank you. Yeah. Now that you wear the hat of both head of delivery excellence as well as a CIO, how do you balance between these two roles? And how are you able to adapt to contexts that are specific to each of these roles? No, I, I personally don't think I am a great, uh, I, I really balance it that well because there are few other people above me who balance almost the entire organization. So, <laughs> in fact, I was just recently thinking I should go and ask the person who I'm reporting to, how is that he is able to switch context and be still relevant in every one hour of meetings or half an hour slots because I see his calendar pretty much blocked. But nevertheless, having said, um, this is a challenge I go through as well, right? Um, I think it may be a challenge which as you grow higher, um, you go through, right? And majority uh, in the industry go through this because you have to keep a tap. You cannot be irrelevant pretty much in any meeting, right? And people look up to you as you keep growing and people look up to you for ideas. Um, so there is an um, unsaid pressure that builds up as well to really keep being relevant, keep really understanding. So I think one, one fundamental thing, two, three things which I really do, which I it helps me, one is on the keep the eye on where we are going in anything, right? For example, um, uh, sometimes it may not be always possible because of various underlying forces. But recently, someone said this. Uh, I think it got edged in my mind. Um, he said that if you cannot forecast something, you won't be driving it. That thing will start driving you, right? Uh, you'll be very reactive. That's what that person was trying to say. I think. One of the things which in each of the areas, like let, let's take, I run an infrastructure uh, or in the entire infrastructure, I, it rolls up to me. There is a vision we have set for this year. So that that is the guiding post on which month on month, quarter on quarter, we are driving towards. So that way that, uh, that context never gets out, right? Because I may not be there at the operation level at whatever happens in every uh, issue, but then that overall where is the automation index going to move this year, right? Where is the, uh, how much it is going to impact our budget uh, in operations, right? So uh, so that way, it is not too many. It's fairly three or four when it comes to the entire, two or three rather, when it comes to the entire oral operations, right? Now, when it comes to my system side, um, we are transforming a couple of process area, processes, right? For example, our supply, people supply chain process is one thing that is, um, getting transformed. So every day I have a time commitment and a budget uh, of my time for that initiative. And no day goes without me thinking something about it. How do I get it better? Right? So because that key problem statements are there in the mind, um, that keeps moving on. On our delivery excellence, we have a as is and to be state uh, that we have put it up. So, um, and we constantly re recalibrate and re-predict uh, on a regular basis as to how, where will we be? And if we are, we initially originally thought we'll be there, now we are not going to be there, we are going to be slightly off, then the question becomes how do I, what is the lever that I can push to get it better, right? So 
pretty much the outcomes are so the point one i am trying to get to this is outcomes are not too many the outcomes are actually a handful number though it will look like three teams and too many things happening the measurable outcomes at the end of the month are not too many right that's that's the reason why it helps that this this just this realization that uh, we are only moving few needles at the end of the month gives you the sense as to what is the right priority what is the right right decisions where you are pushing through and all these things right so um, not to say that there are not too many transactions definitely there are too many transactions but the point is it all adds up to the larger meaning as to why you come to office right um so that work becomes extremely meaningful because you see something better for the organization on a day by day basis right that's number one as to how uh, possibly uh, i really juggle with this right second is this ability to abstract i think um, this i uh, i keep speaking so um, about this as well uh, this is one trait i i don't know whether it how it came why i'm interested about it uh, many times i like abstracting reality right say if there are um for example if i have to ask a question can you abstract all the religions of the world and figure out um get a sense of all the religion of the world it may sound an impossible problem actually if you abstract uh, you will see many religions having similar patterns right so uh, not everything is same but you will see buckets on which hardly three or four buckets you can pretty much put entire um, religions of the world now it's a very hypothetical case i'm just trying to drive the point Use and all our abstract, all our methodologies, right? Let us take if you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of motivation. It's fundamentally an abstraction of reality. Now it may not be perfect, but it gives you a frame of reference on which you can pin your um, ideas onto. So uh, many times, this abstraction as a capability has really helped me, helped me in um, structuring my thinking. Uh, what is the reality here? What is the where is it moving here? Is there a progress there? Uh, so you abstract into few broad dimension you get a sense of what the reality is so you can be actually relevant sound very intelligent uh, be very much more directionally right in that half an hour one hour discussions that we are in right it's not it is always easy but i think this ability to abstract as uh, one of the reasons why um, i think i've been able to be much more meaningful in most of the context right like that the third item i think um, which uh, i do struggle with it but i have kind of narrowed on on which i think it helps is working on a clock uh, what i mean by that is um, many times what happens is um, there is a very nice poem in my mother tongue which is tamil the poem goes like this it, it is not about just the um, amount the sharpness of the saw um, if you take a sharp saw or move from Uh, a top of a branch to the bottom not all leaves are going to get cut but um, if the saw is really sharp and you hold one end of the leaf you just keep the saw on the near the end of the leaf obviously it's going to get cut because other end has a tension right um, now what i mean by that is this regular uh, that regular connect the regular reviews um yeah there we may it is just that for example for my it operations there is a one and a half hour commitment i have for my monthly review it never goes off the calendar it always happens on that clock right uh, and it is fairly the straight agenda everyone coming to the meeting knew exactly know exactly what are the questions i am going to ask pretty much and then we may and i keep summarizing 
okay guys this is the four goals and against this we are doing this these are the goals we still are and doing well it's always ends with the summary so this consistency and this driving the same thing keeps the tension on so you are able the team is able to cut 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 and then they keep improving their ability the sharpness on which they are cutting and improving continuously right because i am not an expert on it operations right uh, the infrastructure layer but then as you as we go higher and uh, as we start managing many things which may not be the real areas of uh, expertise at the very fundamental level this ability to keep it on a clock ability to keep the cadence do things in a much more repetitive at the base at the same time be focused towards the outcome that really helps the entire setup to be very organized very thoughtful continually improving and all that right so the natural three things i talked about which possibly could um, be a answer to it a uh, sense of outcome um the ability to abstract and third the keeping it fairly simple consistent regular review centric and direction centric so this these three things is what i think helps me to uh, juggle around but still be at managing it better as well i think thank you moses that was very succinctly put uh, you've added a lot of dimensions to those three summary points i'm sure our listeners have something to take away from that you know as you're working in the space of digital transformation it's a buzz phrase and yet not many uh, organizations have completely understood it uh, you yourself have said that it's an area of interest for you uh, what do you see are things that people and organizations should look forward to to remain digitally relevant can you share some of your thoughts on how these transformations can be successfully enabled yeah i think um, uh, you're right uh, this is a buzzword and uh, i think there's one transformation that has already happened which is kind of driving um, is uh, uh, when i started my career uh, in it uh, the technology in office was way better than what was at home um, it is not not as better today i think it is fairly getting the opposite the technology we experience in our personal life as uh, is much better um than even what we get in office right so be it a network bandwidth or the kind of uh, devices we can afford or uh, the kind of uh, softwares we can easily access right um now that's one part of the story so people expect more today right um so there's a general expectation that things have to be much more simple uh much more easier to do and all that right um but i think uh, when it comes to the corporate digital transformation it's about um, fundamentally to for us digital transformation is a mandate uh, for a couple of reasons one is our solutions which we offer to our customers are all pretty much digital transformation right uh, we our revenue from legacy has dwindled like anything uh, we we possibly are our our vision itself is going is to moving towards the largest focused single uh, single focused digital transformation company in north america right in over here so that's the vision itself so we don't want to do anything other than digital transformation for our customers so then the question becomes internally how do you move and i put it digital transformation as two three dimensions right one is i think um, the the information brings empowerment right um the problem with many of our systems um in nutshell right uh, not every information that needs to be used for decision making 
uh, is all available at the, um, in, in the way that it can be easily consumed and is meaningful. I think in a nutshell um, of this trans, at a, at a, at a very core of this transformation is um, it's about uh, once the base infrastructure is there, it is about taking each role and then um, nailing it down to that role whether they have all the information coming together so that we can empower and then expect higher accountability and performance from that role, right? Um, that because I'm running, most of my solutions are for our internal customers that I run. So that's one way we have deduced what is um, the uh, digital, digital transformation meaning for us, number one. Number two is at a process level. Uh, many times what happens is these processes um, have either been broken um, in multiple ways uh, or half the things happen manually. Some of these things happen digitally. Um, and this is at the various levels of maturity, right? Now that obviously every process cannot be digitally automated in day one, right? So the idea is which of the processes uh, which are core to the organization that needs to be really, really digitally um, enabled. For example, in, in Brillio, um, right now, uh, our people supply chain is one of the critical process areas for us to uh, really uh, completely transform digitally. Uh, today, if you really look at the players in this whole thing, right from the person who is listening to a new um, idea or a new converse, or starting a new conversation with a the customer, um, then that becoming a project. And, uh, and before it becomes a project, we have people ready for it to jump and start and uh, execute it, deliver it, and then get to a repeat business. and a cycle of continual cycle, right? Uh, how do I, how do we bring this entire uh, cycle into a, where people become the center of, because in, in IT, uh, people are the raw material of the organization, right? Um, now, how can we be much more uh, effective in this process, um, much more digitally enabled, high visibility, make roles accountable, right through this cycle that we keep planning towards a new project that can start, not start at the last minute, so all these things is what we are trying to transform. So um, if you would have done this, say, 10 years back, I think uh, everyone would have talked about an app, which will do something. Today, we look at the end-to-end -end process uh, and say this entire touch point where every person will do what and then what we need, how technology will transform there. Uh, it's still a pro work in progress, but that's exactly, uh, in a way, in, in this solution, the difference is we are not thinking of one solution. Fundamentally, the person who is uh, on the sales side or the market side will still be in their own world of their CRM system, initiate from there, which will trigger many other things. But eventually the solution ties everything together with where management team can decide things. So it's about starting from the real user who is going to do and then provide technological solution everywhere and connect the entire uh, stream together. So in a way, the second way to look at is, um, am I, are we saying this entire process is transformed rather than just an app is coming in is another way we look at things, right? Uh, these are some of the ways we look at things, but then it's a very loose, it's a, it's a loose word in one sense. But one thing that is common in all this digital transformation is data. I think um, if uh, which where data is presented in forms which are easy to consume, um, very easy to assimilate and which is very data action centric. 
I think that's where, which is common across all the digital transformation, the means may be many different things. Uh, it may be mobile, it may be cloud, it may be dashboarding, it may be many things, but underlying there is one thing that is getting common is get the data to the right person much effectively, uh, which, this, which has meaning so that decisions can be much faster. Uh, that's the way we have abstracted and we are driving this. Uh, I hope it gives some sense of our thinking on digital transformation on a broad topic with some specifics to the way we interpret it for ourselves. Definitely did, Moses. Thank you so much. There's so much out there being said, printed all the time with respect to digital transformation. This was a very, very refreshing perspective. Perhaps one last question for you today is, what do you wish you had known when you started out in your career? (laughs) That's a good one. Googling, right? I wish, uh, I think uh, one of the things which I've learned is learn and still learning is learning to be much much more systemic and uh, pick the right things to do not always doing assuming everything that we do uh, is going to result right and uh, so that's i i wish somewhere this ability to think through it the level possible that i think today uh, if i would have known possibly how do i uh, fundamentally that if there's one thing that has got transformed is the way I think has got changed, the way I, the way I think today is way far different, far deeper than what I used to think about the real world. Um, my willingness to accept the reality is much higher today, having seen, struggled through multiple uh, challenges and failures and um, having situations where I have not made an impact, right? I, I wish only that uh, if I had been able to uh, really see through it the way I am possibly seeing today and uh, think through in specifics and in details much earlier in my career, uh, which I, I would have made much larger difference than what I have done in my lifetime. It's been wonderful talking to you. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to perhaps, uh, you know, discussing on many more topics with you, maybe either in the form of a podcast or any other discussions. So thank you very much for your time. Same here. It was fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. If you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that, please get in touch with us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com There is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com Please rate the show on Podchaser, Stitcher, iTunes or any other podcast client that you find us on. Please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show, do write to us at this email address, podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.